Welcome to the Untaming Femininity Podcast. I'm Igena Gerasi. And I'm Sam Allen. And we believe that untamed women are real and powerful. Our podcast is all about inspiring curious women like you to speak and live your truth and to express your femininity on your own terms. Tune in for your weekly dose of depth lightness and heartfelt shares. We're so happy today because we have a very special guest and very special guest to me today in our podcast. We have my dear good friend and non-biological sister, Chrisula Galanaki. And Chrisula, she's very highly motivated and driven by her commitment to humanitarian action she spends long periods in missions in places in need of humanitarian aid delivery like Nigeria, Ukraine, Syria, and many more, which we are so looking forward to here today. But first of all, welcome, Chrisula, and thank you for being here. Hello, and uh, thank you for uh, the invitation. I am very happy to be here, very happy to be sharing uh, my story with uh, these two beautiful ladies and with my very, very good friend, Medina. And uh, let the journey start. Oh, I'm feeling the energy of sisterhood in the room. <laughs> and I feel really privileged to be amongst you dear friends right now. Um, and Chrisula, I'd love to start by asking you, where did your journey of transformation begin? I'm really curious. Well, frankly speaking, it began when I met Megina. <laughs> it began in Denmark, where I finished my master's studies. And then I also spent a few years working in different NGOs. And in one of these NGOs, I also met with Megina. And it was during this period with my master's studies and my work experience in the NGOs that the seed was planted inside my heart that I would really like to go to the field and experience uh, helping people yeah, be exposed to adventures, if you want, be exposed to different, uh, not very normal situations. And that was in 2010, if I remember right? No, 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 much earlier. That was in 2000, already in 2007, 2008. Oh, seriously? Oh, Nice. Yes, yes, because I actually arrived in Denmark for the first time in 2007. Mm. And I completed my studies in 2009. And in the meantime, I had already started working in different uh, workspaces, NGOs, also in the Greek Embassy in Copenhagen. And slowly, slowly, and already during my master's studies, I recall, we, it was compulsory to do an internship. Uh, as part of our master's studies, it was compulsory. I did it at the Greek Embassy in Copenhagen. However, my other colleagues, colleagues at the master, like that we did the master together, they chose to do their internship in faraway places. Through their own countries, they were able to find internships in NGOs or in organizations affiliated to their countries, in postings like in Latin America or in Southeast Asia. And although I wanted very much to do this, at the same time, I was a little bit, I don't know, I think I was a bit scared. Like it was in my mind a lot, but I was scared. I really, I admitted I was scared to do it. I, I don't know why, I felt very scared. So I chose the safe solution of uh, having my internship in Copenhagen. 
And, uh, but already inside me, I was craving for this. Like I would hear the stories of my uh, classmates. How, how would you call yeah. them that we do the, the studies? Yeah, classmates. Okay. okay, thank you. Thank you, Sam. So I would hear the stories of my classmates and I would be like, oh, very interesting, very interesting. But inside my heart, it was like, oh my God, oh my God, I want to do the same thing. It's my dream, it's my dream. I want to do the same thing. But for, yeah. for some time, it stayed just in my heart. And you did follow your dream. And I'm still curious, like, what, what was the drive or what drew you to humanitarian work? For humanitarian work in general, I think I was always driven. So on the one hand, of course, I truly want to help people in need. But I was driven from the fact that I wanted to do it at a professional grade. So to combine work with helping people not just doing it as a volunteer. So that was my, my initial drive. And the right moment came late, but it was always, as I said, the seed was planted in semi. So it was always on my mind. I was always, even when I was working in other job workplaces, it was always on my mind, always looking for opportunities to go to them, to work in the field. And uh, yeah. Wow. And I reached, at some point, I reached the point where I wanted, like, <laughs> it's very funny because this is very much linked also to how I was understanding the society around me, but I was feeling the pressure from the society that I had to be a certain person. I had to comply to certain rules. I am, I don't know, I, I entered my 30s, my early 30s, I have a good job at the, at the EU, the European Union, so now the next step is to... Um, formalize a relationship and have a family, have kids, and so on and so forth. But for different reasons, this was not happening. So I kept on growing up and I was feeling old and old and old. <laughs> and uh, at the, 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 the moment that, uh, and although the job opportunity did come, did knock on my doors to go and work in the field twice before I actually took the decision to go to the field, it knocked my door twice and twice at the last moment, I chose what society would like for me, let's say. What I was understanding that society would like for me or my family would like for me. So I said no to these two job opportunities. One was with the UN and the other one was with the MSF, uh, Médecins Sans Frontières of uh, Denmark. And the last uh, job uh, opportunity was from ICRC to work in the field, I mean. So that was the third time I received the job offer related to humanitarian aid delivery. And that was the moment in my life that I said, okay, Christula, if you don't do it now, you will never do it. There will always be excuses. There will always be obstacles. There will always be limits that you put in yourself. If you don't do it now, you will never do it. You might as well just forget about it. Mm -hmm. Take the seed out and throw it away. So that was the moment when I started thinking like that, that I actually took the decision. Wow. And what I hear in that is you actually listening to the voice inside that knew, you know, and it's so powerful to hear you claiming that voice and actually taking action on it. Because I think many of us begin to hear it, but we push it aside. And yet there came this moment where you decided, I just bloody well need to go for this. I exactly have the same moment as well when I chose to go for coaching. Either I do yeah. it now or I don't do it. <laughs> exactly. And I was... Uh, when I had the job offer, I was 36, so I started working at 37. I was feeling old. I was already feeling so old. I was even thinking, okay, you took the decision, Priscilla, but my God, you will go to the field, you will be like a granny. 
I, I, that is because, again, I was putting so much value to what I thought everybody else wanted from me, to my environment, that, oh my God, at 37, you're not supposed to go to the field. You're not supposed to live a stable job, a good lifestyle, living in the Netherlands, all everything beautiful, and throw it all in the bin and go for the unknown, for the unstable, for the something that, is, that can be very dangerous at times, uh, that uh, you don't know what you will encounter, uh, that it might have an impact in your personal life, it might have an impact in other aspects of your life. Like everything was so unknown. And it all, again, it all, it took me like more than, like not more, that approximately it took me 10 years to listen to the voice inside me and actually dare to do it. And you dare to do it. <laughs> yes, so, yes, I dared. Yes. So what have been the gifts in that journey? The gifts? Oh my God, so many. Uh, <laughs> so many, yes, so many. Um, again, the biggest gift for me was I was uh, finally able to combine humanitarian work at the professional grade. I had the opportunity to be in, uh, to work in different cultures, although sometimes the environments were very hostile, still I was able to, to experience cultures, customs, people, uh, to see places, to, 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 to taste, to smell, to feel, to, uh, to witness things that normally I wouldn't have the opportunity to do so, because in this space it's not easy to reach. And the biggest fulfillment was that I was able to help uh, mainly victims of war in a very direct way. So at all times, every day, every moment of your working time, you see the direct impact of your work. Mm. And this is so fulfilling that I'm very, very aware that even at some point, maybe I change my job again. I will never find this kind of fulfillment again. Mm. Wow. Just watching you as you speak, it's like, wow, you just come alive. You know, your eyes dance, your hands speak. There is an energy of aliveness around this. And I want to ask you, which parts of yourself do you get to express through this work? Okay, so um, leadership. <laughs> if we talk about work, work, leadership. It requires leadership to be able to provide humanitarian delivery. It is a very unstable environment, usually where you operate, and you need to be able to take decisions and guide your team, guide people, and keep them motivated under the same goal, under the same vision, under the same objective. So that requires a lot of, uh, lead, not a lot, it requires leadership skills in your own way that you can apply it. But I would say number one is leadership and open-mindedness, mm. flexibility. And a lot of and adaptability, mm. and uh, to be able to detach yourself from what you see, yeah. Because yeah, uh, especially in my job, we go a lot. We're very much exposed to the human suffering. We because every program we design is based on the needs of the people in need. That means that everything is a result of an assessment of your visits to these people. It's a bottom-up approach. What do they need? This is what they will give them. And that's that said, you're very much exposed to the human suffering, to their uh, uh, to their traumas, to their history, to their past, to everything, to, to their past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. And you need to be uh, to remember that you have to remain a pragmatic humanitarian aid worker. Mm 
not just people dreaming that oh i can i can change the world no you cannot change the world but you can definitely make a change in these people's lives even if it is a very small uh, very very tiny change but still you can bring a change in their small lives but yeah what i notice is this high level of servitude yes there is trauma yes there is war and i'm here in service of these people and yeah. this level yeah. of detachment it's very admirable how did you get to that point to be able of course we get affected as as humans right it's it's a human to human connection but i'm i'm just curious like what was the process for you personally my process was writing a lot so putting in paper all my thoughts and feelings and grounding myself by attaching not by not detaching myself from my um if you want real life so from my family from my friends that I leave behind from my partner from from people that they give me stability so i maintain this um I've been maintaining this uh, contact with them at all times and not randomly because it would always help me stay grounded and also because what I witness I take it as a um how would I say this um although what I witness is not nice at the same time I I choose to take the positive aspect of what I witness and, and and uh, incorporating my life in a way that I change me. What do I mean? Right now, after I, I started working in the humanitarian aid delivery, I'm much, much, much more understanding in people's um, strengths and weaknesses. And I am not black and white anymore. I used to be very black and white. And I even recall once my very good friend, Migi, I made a comment, Christula, the world is not black and white, it's pink and orange and yellow and all the beautiful other colors. And, and now I can actually relate to this, indeed, because now I can, I can see um, behind people's you want opinions or way of thinking of mindset, especially if, they, if, if I know where they come from, the context where they come from. Mm. And that said, I also think I'm much more down to earth and I am much more grateful to the things that I have in my life. Even the fact that I come from a, from a country that is not a war zone, I'm very grateful. Now I can actually fully hard this say I'm so grateful. And also less arrogant, because thinking the world is black and white, that by default, at least me, it made me very arrogant. Whereas now I'm being much more understanding to people's, yeah, to people's uh, attitudes and uh, personalities, it made me also be more open and less arrogant. <laughs> you know, what well, I see the colors, I see the permission, I see the openness, and I see the resilience as well. And um, from what I know of you, Priscilla, you know, there's this kind of buoyancy in you. I see there's humor and lightness. And I'm wondering, like, how does that serve you in this journey that you're on? Mm. It makes me understand myself better. It makes me accept my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions. Even if, let's say, in the past, I will have the, I will share the same thoughts, but 
again because things they were not it was it was not proper to think like that it's not uh, how a 35 year old female should think like living in europe should think like i will put it aside i will deny it i will be like no 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 i'm not this and then what i would actually speak out would be something different it would be something that what i think people should hear from me but not the real me so that journey has been very transformational in a way that makes me really accept myself. Even if I don't like me at some parts, but I accept myself. I love that. Megana and I were having a conversation <laughs> this morning, actually, about being out of the box, you know, getting yes. out of those parameters that often just define us and keep us stuck. And what I hear yeah. in that is actually, no, I'm, I got out of that goddamn box and I am who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not in the sense I am who I am, but that, okay, I see something I don't like, I will not change it. No, I am who I am. And if I don't like something in me, I will change it. But if I like something in me and I know that maybe my people around me might not like it or might find it strange, I will not change it, which was not the case in the past. To me, the poem, The Road Less Traveled, by Robert Frost comes to mind. When I think of you and your journey, it's just like there's so much courage and resilience and daring and going for your heart and and what's what's deeply, deeply fulfilling for you. So it's it's yeah. very inspiring. Thank you, thank you, Wendy, thank you. Mm, so what's next? I can share when I so my first post was in Nigeria just to understand how although I dared to do it still at the last moment I was so scared so I will never forget uh, just before I left to Nigeria for my first posting mission posting I was in uh, my hometown in Greece with my parents which for them was something, oh my God, I'm sending my kid to the end of the world. This is it. I will never see my child again. So it was a complete trauma. Trauma and drama, both. <laughs> trauma for them and drama for understand. them. So <laughs> I will never forget. They even, both of them, they took me to the airport to say the farewell. And they were crying. And of course I was crying as well. We were crying on each other's shoulders. I, my God, my God. <laughs> so many tears, so many tears. And I was just going for a mission in Nigeria. And I have to say with ICC where I work, everything is so well organized. You don't need to worry about anything. They are very serious with your security protocols and everything, everything, still. So many tears. So many tears, I cannot describe. I was ready to say to the parents, okay, go, I'm not going. <laughs> I, cannot this. I cannot do this to my parents, I cannot do this to myself. Go, go, go. They're Greek parents, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Until the last moment, it was it was big fear. Even I remember when I, I arrived in Nigeria, I was, uh, I was very excited. And at the same time, so scared, so scared. I was, oh my God. Why am I doing this to myself? What am I putting myself into? Why? How did I take this decision? How, do, how did I even ever dare to take this decision? And then, um, you know, what I always like to say is that uh, the first step is difficult. The second step is lighter. On the third step, we are gone and we let the situation, the road, the path guide us. So this is what I call for a decision. Until you take a decision, it's so it's like a burden on your shoulders. It's very, very, you feel very heavy. 
And once you take a decision, you feel immediately lighter and then you're gone. So now I'm at the stage of I'm gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, you're taking me back to this decision in my life. Magena knows all about this and I won't go into it in this podcast episode, but as you speak right now, you're inspiring me to that last phase, which is the just letting go into it, you know? And it takes a lot of surrender that. Yeah. So just want to underline how much courage again it takes to take that final leap. I really see and hear that in you. And I know you have a four word kind of motto that you live by that you once shared with us. Would you share that with our listeners right now? Certainly. Dream, believe, dare, do. <laughs> I always say this to myself, especially when the dream easy i have so many dreams we all have so many dreams and uh, you just need to believe in your dreams that you can actually make them come true especially if the limitations to your dreams are put from your mind because okay i understand sometimes you have limitations from where you from where you live the context in which you are living in or cultural limitations that you, they are out of your control but if there are limitations that are imposing from your mind, from your own fears, then you just need to believe in them. And once you dare, you also do. Dream, believe, dare, do. Yes. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. Yes. I even have it in a ring um, handcrafted. I always wear this ring. Not now, but I usually do wear it always. So what's the next dream? Well, uh, the next dream, I have experienced Africa, I have experienced Europe, I have experienced the Middle East. So next dream, I guess, will be Latin America or Southeast Asia <laughs> to experience the environment there, the context there as well. But the biggest challenge at this moment of my life is to experience this context in uh, combination with my personal life. So to be able to combine these two aspects of my life. So the next step for me now is to, to be able to combine these two, these two together. I'm so excited. And I'm just thinking <laughs> also of our listeners, right? If somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, oh, there's this thing I really want to do, but I'm not sure it's scary, but I kind of still want to go there. You know, they're in that place, but they haven't quite got to the leap. What would you say to those people? Just do it. Yeah, as simple as that. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Really, just do it because you can keep on postponing forever. But I mean, just do it. If it's your mind, just do it. Hmm. There's no reason to delay it. There's no reason to not to do it. And even if you don't like it, that's fine. At least you can say, I did it. I did not like it. Let's move on. Let's do something else. You don't need to like it. You don't need to feel the fear that, oh, what if I do it and I get disappointed? What if I do it and it doesn't meet my expectations? But in the end of the day, your expectations are your problem. What I hear in that is very much this place of getting unstuck because sometimes we also get stuck a little bit in the dreams. It just remains a dream without, it's in the, in the drawer. It comes with so many as well. Uh, regret and disappointment sometimes and yeah. the, the part of just doing it, just doing yeah. it. I mean, know it if it's for you or not. I love that. And also, as you said, yeah, we have dreams and we get stuck in dreams. But at the same time, we need to also sometimes acknowledge that a dream that I had in my 20s, maybe it's no longer my dream in my 40s. But because I'm stuck to that, I'm so attached to this dream, I think that it's still my dream in my 40s. 
and either you do it or not sometimes you might do it and then yes you get disappointed yes okay but because you maybe you're a different person now yeah. uh, it's what you said as well that it was a dream in your 20s in your 40s halas change your dreams accept who you the person you are right now and uh, yeah maybe this dream has to be put in the draw or maybe not so this comes also very much together with your you with you being very very self-aware I love what you're saying. Yeah, it feels so important. And I'm thinking like myself, when I was in my 20s, I was traveling all the time, every given opportunity. And that was really important to me. And I think of myself now and the journey that I'm on is more of a spiritual tantra journey. <laughs> and some part of that is making peace with the different journeys and the fact that, you know, we do change and um, being mindful enough to recognize those changes yeah. in ourselves. I think you, what you just said there really kind of like consolidated that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you still want to do your, to make your dream come true, just do it. If you want to be again, the person who you were in your twenties, maybe accept that you're no longer this person and go after your new dreams. It's okay to have new dreams. As long as you live, you can dream, you can go wild with your dreams. And then just do it again. Do your dreams. I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, yes. So I hear the dream. <laughs> I don't want but, this land. <laughs> no, but I have to say, Sam, that um, Miggy has been there from the beginning of my transformation. And by transformation, I don't mean just changing my life to start working in hostile environments in the field and everything. By transformation, I mean moving away from the family shelter, if you want, and standing slowly on my feet, going through different, different paths. Because I with me in my life, she experienced, she witnessed that, all the different paths I went through, job-wise, love life wise family wise i can only say that my biggest transformation actually is not it's not a walk uh, it's not where i am at this moment but the biggest transformation is that although i went through all these different waves and storms and sunsets and sunshines and everything i had inspiring people by my side and Miggy was one of these people so <laughs> yes it's it's true it's true it's true yeah. very inspiring oh. and very always a shoulder to to lay on either to cry or to laugh or to hug or to cuddle or for whatever uh, feeling i wanted to express i had a shoulder by my side mm -hmm. and i have to say even the distance because the past yeah since 2012 basically we have had this from a distance it did not change at all. It just became even stronger, I would say. Yeah. Or even virtually. Exactly. And you've always been an anchor for me as well. You know, and and a travel buddy all the time. Like the, <laughs> where we have been, we've traveled the world together as well. <laughs> absolutely. 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 Yes. And I love and I love how well we travel together and the experiences we have been through and yeah. It, there's been so much growth all the time and, exactly. and what I love about our relationship and friendship it's and sisterhood you know it's like we hold each other so I know that whatever the worst of you have seen the worst of me as well 
<laughs> so, so I know you can hold that uh, so well. And you know that, you know, I'll come back. <laughs> and I love, yes. and yeah, so I feel the safest, the, the seen, the, the loved in you. So thank you. It has been amazing. And it's always your, your keep on inspiring, keep on reminding what, what courage, what bravery, what humanity looks like. It's, it's so inspiring. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Sam, for witnessing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm just bathing in the love right now. <laughs> bathing in love, I like that. I, I feel exactly the same right now. Thank you for listening to the Untaming Femininity podcast. Join our inspiring tribe of women on Facebook to experience a deeper connection with yourself and to feel the empowerment of female solidarity. Tune in next Sunday for your weekly dose of depth, lightness and heartfelt shares.
humanitarian action 